Book One, Chapter Eleven of the Bostonians. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Bostonians by Henry James. Chapter Eleven. I was certain you would come. I have felt it all day. Something told me. It was with these words that Olive Chancellor greeted her young visitor, coming to her quickly from the window, where she might have been waiting for her arrival. Some weeks later she explained to Verena how definite this prevision had been, how it had filled her all day with a nervous agitation so violent as to be painful. She told her that such forebodings were a peculiarity of her organization, that she didn't know what to make of them, that she had to accept them and she mentioned as another example the sudden dread that had come to her the evening before in the carriage after proposing to mr ransom to go with her to miss birdseye's this had been as strange as it had been instinctive and the strangeness of course was what must have struck mr ransom for the idea that he might come had been hers and yet she suddenly veered round she couldn't help it her heart had begun to throb with the conviction that if he crossed that threshold some harm would come of it for her she hadn't prevented him and now she didn't care for now as she intimated she had the interest of verena and that made her indifferent to every danger to every ordinary pleasure by this time verena had learned how peculiarly her friend was constituted how nervous and serious she was how personal how exclusive what a force of will she had what a concentration of purpose olive had taken her up in the literal sense of the phrase like a bird of the air had spread an extraordinary pair of wings and carried her through the dizzying void of space verena liked it for the most part liked to shoot upward without an effort of her own and look down upon all creation upon all history from such a height from this first interview she felt that she was seized and she gave herself up only shutting her eyes a little as we do whenever a person in whom we have perfect confidence proposes with our assent to subject us to some sensation i want to know you olive said on this occasion i felt that i must last night as soon as i heard you speak you seem to me very wonderful I don't know what to make of you. I think we ought to be friends. So I just asked you to come to me straight off, without preliminaries, and I believed you would come. It is so right that you have come, and it proves how right I was. These remarks fell from Miss Chancellor's lips one by one as she caught her breath, with the tremor that was always in her voice, even when she was the least excited while she made Verena sit down near her on the sofa, and looked at her all over in a manner that caused the girl to rejoice at having put on the jacket with the gilt buttons. It was this glance that was the beginning. It was with this quick survey, omitting nothing, that Olive took possession of her. You are very remarkable. I wonder if you know how remarkable, she went on, murmuring the words as if she were losing herself becoming inadvertent in admiration verena sat there smiling without a blush but with a pure bright look which for her would always make protests unnecessary 
oh it isn't me you know it's something outside she tossed this off lightly as if she were in the habit of saying it and olive wondered whether it were a sincere disclaimer or only a phrase of the lips the question was not a criticism for she might have been satisfied that the girl was a mass of fluent catchwords and yet scarcely have liked her the less it was just as she was that she liked her she was so strange so different from the girls one usually met seemed to belong to some queer gypsy land or transcendental bohemia with her bright vulgar clothes her salient appearance she might have been a rope-dancer or a fortune-teller and this had the immense merit for olive that it appeared to make her belong to the people threw her into the social dusk of that mysterious democracy which miss chancellor held that the fortunate classes know so little about and with which in a future possibly very near they will have to count moreover the girl had moved her as she had never been moved and the power to do that from whatever source it came was a force that one must admire her emotion was still acute however much she might speak to her visitor as if everything that had happened seemed to her natural and what kept it above all from subsiding was her sense that she found here what she had been looking for so long a friend of her own sex with whom she might have a union of soul it took a double consent to make a friendship but it was not possible that this intensely sympathetic girl would refuse olive had the penetration to discover in a moment that she was a creature of unlimited generosity i know not what might have been the reality of miss chancellor's other premonitions but there is no doubt that in this respect she took verena's measure on the spot this was what she wanted after that the rest didn't matter miss tarrant might wear gilt buttons from head to foot her soul could not be vulgar mother told me i had better come right in said verena looking now about the room very glad to find herself in so pleasant a place and noticing a great many things that she should like to see in detail your mother saw that i meant what i said it isn't everybody that does me the honour to perceive that she saw that i was shaken from head to foot i could only say three words i couldn't have spoken more what a power what a power miss tarrant yes i suppose it is a power if it wasn't a power it couldn't do much with me you are so simple so much like a child olive chancellor said that was the truth and she wanted to say it because quickly without forms or circumlocutions it made them familiar she wished to arrive at this her impatience was such that before the girl had been five minutes in the room she jumped to her point inquired of her interrupting herself interrupting everything will you be my friend my friend of friends beyond everyone everything for ever and for ever her face was full of eagerness and tenderness verena gave a laugh of clear amusement without a shade of embarrassment or confusion perhaps you like me too much of course i like you too much when i like i like too much but of course it's another thing you're liking me olive chancellor added we must wait we must wait when i care for anything i can be patient 
she put out her hand to verena and the movement was at once so appealing and so confident that the girl instinctively placed her own in it so hand in hand for some moments these two young women sat looking at each other there is so much i want to ask you said olive well i can't say much except when father has worked on me verena answered with an ingenuousness beside which humility would have seemed pretentious i don't care anything about your father olive chancellor rejoined very gravely with a great air of security he's very good verena said simply and he's wonderfully magnetic it isn't your father and it isn't your mother i don't think of them and it's not them i want it's only you just as you are verena dropped her eyes over the front of her dress just as she was seemed to her indeed very well do you want me to give up she demanded smiling olive chancellor drew in her breath for an instant like a creature in pain then with her quavering voice touched with a vibration of anguish she said oh how can i ask you to give up i will give up i will give up everything filled with the impression of her hostess's agreeable interior and of what her mother had told her about miss chancellor's wealth her position in boston society verena in her fresh diverted scrutiny of the surrounding objects wondered what could be the need of this scheme of renunciation oh no indeed she hoped she wouldn't give up at least not before she verena had had a chance to see she felt however that for the present there would be no answer for her save in the mere pressure of miss chancellor's eager nature that intensity of emotion which made her suddenly exclaim as if in a nervous ecstasy of anticipation but we must wait why do we talk of this we must wait all will be right she added more calmly with great sweetness verena wondered afterward why she had not been more afraid of her why indeed she had not turned and saved herself by darting out of the room but it was not in this young woman's nature to be either timid or cautious she had as yet to make acquaintance with the sentiment of fear she knew too little of the world to have learned to mistrust sudden enthusiasms and if she had had a suspicion it would have been in accordance with common worldly knowledge the wrong one the suspicion that such a whimsical liking would burn itself out she could not have that one for there was a light in miss chancellor's magnified face which seemed to say that a sentiment with her might consume its object might consume miss chancellor but would never consume itself verena as yet had no sense of being scorched she was only agreeably warmed she also had dreamed of a friendship though it was not what she had dreamed of most and it came over her that this was the one which fortune might have been keeping she never held back do you live here all alone she asked of olive i shouldn't if you would come and live with me even this really passionate rejoinder failed to make verena shrink she thought it so possible that in the wealthy class people made each other such easy proposals it was part of the romance the luxury of wealth it belonged to the world of invitations in which she had had so little share but it seemed almost a mockery when she thought of the little house in cambridge where the boards were loose in the steps of the porch 
i must stay with my father and mother she said and then i have my work you know that's the way i must live now your work olive repeated not quite understanding my gift said verena smiling oh yes you must use it that's what i mean you must move the world with it it's divine it was so much what she meant that she had lain awake all night thinking of it and the substance of her thought was that if she could only rescue the girl from the danger of vulgar exploitation could only constitute herself her protectress and devotee the two between them might achieve the great result verena's genius was a mystery and it might remain a mystery it was impossible to see how this charming blooming simple creature all youth and grace and innocence got her extraordinary powers of reflection when her gift was not in exercise she appeared anything but reflective and as she sat there now for instance you would never have dreamed that she had had a vivid revelation olive had to content herself provisionally with saying that her precious faculty had come to her just as her beauty and distinction to olive she was full of that quality had come it had dropped straight from heaven without filtering through her parents whom miss chancellor decidedly did not fancy even among reformers she discriminated she thought all wise people wanted great changes but the votaries of change were not necessarily wise she remained silent a little after her last remark and then she repeated again as if it were the solution of everything as if it represented with absolute certainty some immense happiness in the future we must wait we must wait verena was perfectly willing to wait though she did not exactly know what they were to wait for and the aspiring frankness of her assent shone out of her face and seemed to pacify their mutual gaze olive asked her innumerable questions she wanted to enter into her life it was one of those talks which people remember afterwards in which every word has been given and taken and in which they see the signs of a beginning that was to be justified the more olive learnt of her visitor's life the more she wanted to enter into it the more it took her out of herself such strange lives are led in america she always knew that but this was queerer than anything she had dreamed of and the queerest part was that the girl herself didn't appear to think it queer she had been nursed in darkened rooms and suckled in the midst of manifestations she had begun to attend lectures as she said when she was quite an infant because her mother had no one to leave her with at home she had sat on the knees of somnambulists and had been passed from hand to hand by trance speakers she was familiar with every kind of cure and had grown up among lady editors of newspapers advocating new religions and people who disapproved of the marriage tie verena talked of the marriage tie as she would have talked of the last novel as if she had heard it as frequently discussed and at certain times listening to the answers she made to her questions olive chancellor closed her eyes in the manner of a person waiting till giddiness passed her young friend's revelations actually gave her a vertigo they made her perceive everything from which she should have rescued her verena was perfectly uncontaminated and she would never be touched by evil 
but though olive had no views about the marriage tie except that she should hate it for herself that particular reform she did not propose to consider she didn't like the atmosphere of circles in which such institutions were called into question she had no wish now to enter into an examination of that particular one nevertheless to make sure she would just ask verena whether she disapproved of it well i must say said miss tarrant i prefer free unions olive held her breath an instant such an idea was so disagreeable to her then for all answer she murmured irresolutely i wish you would let me help you yet it seemed at the same time that verena needed little help for it was more and more clear that her eloquence when she stood up that way before a roomful of people was literally inspiration she answered all her friend's questions with a good nature which evidently took no pains to make things plausible an effort to oblige not to please but after all she could give very little account of herself this was very visible when olive asked her where she had got her intense realization of the suffering of women for her address at miss bird's eyes showed that she too like olive herself had had that vision in the watches of the night verena thought a moment as if to understand what her companion referred to and then she inquired always smiling where joan of arc had got her idea of the suffering of france this was so prettily said that olive could scarcely keep from kissing her she looked at the moment as if like joan she might have had visits from the saints olive of course remembered afterwards that it had not literally answered the question and she also reflected on something that made an answer seem more difficult the fact that the girl had grown up among lady doctors lady mediums lady editors lady preachers lady healers women who having rescued themselves from a passive existence could illustrate only partially the misery of the sex at large it was true that they might have illustrated it by their talk by all they had been through and all that they could tell a younger sister but olive was sure that verena's prophetic impulse had not been stirred by the chatter of women miss chancellor knew that sound as well as any one it had proceeded rather out of their silence she said to her visitor that whether or no the angels came down to her in glittering armour she struck her as the only person she had yet encountered who had exactly the same tenderness the same pity for women that she herself had miss birdseye had something of it but miss birdseye wanted passion wanted keenness was capable of the weakest concessions mrs farrinder was not weak of course and she brought a great intellect to the matter but she was not personal enough she was too abstract verena was not abstract she seemed to have lived in imagination through all the ages verena said she did think she had a certain amount of imagination she supposed she couldn't be so effective on the platform if she hadn't a rich fancy then olive said to her taking her hand again that she wanted her to assure her of this that it was the only thing in all the world she cared for the redemption of women the thing she hoped under providence to give her life to verena flushed a little at this appeal and the deeper glow of her eyes was the first sign of exultation she had offered oh yes 
I want to give my life, she exclaimed with a vibrating voice, and then she added gravely, I want to do something great. You will, you will, we both will, Olive Chancellor cried in rapture. But after a little she went on, I wonder if you know what it means, young and lovely as you are, giving your life. Verena looked down for a moment in meditation. Well, she replied, I guess I have thought more than I appear. Do you understand German? Do you know Faust? said Olive. And sagen sollst du, sollst and sagen. I don't know German. I should like so to study it. I want to know everything. We will work at it together. We will study everything. Olive almost panted and while she spoke the peaceful picture hung before her of still winter evenings under the lamp with falling snow outside and tea on a little table and successful renderings with a chosen companion of goethe almost the only foreign author she cared about for she hated the writing of the french in spite of the importance they have given to women such a vision as this was the highest indulgence she could offer herself she had it only at considerable intervals. It seemed as if Verena caught a glimpse of it, too, for her face kindled still more, and she said she should like that ever so much. At the same time she asked the meaning of the German words. Thou shalt renounce, refrain, abstain. That's the way Bayard Taylor has translated them, Olive answered. Oh, well, I guess I can abstain. Verena exclaimed with a laugh. And she got up rather quickly, as if by taking leave she might give a proof of what she meant. Olive put out her hands to hold her, and at this moment one of the portieres of the room was pushed aside, while a gentleman was ushered in by Miss Chancellor's little parlour-maid. End of Book One, Chapter Eleven